Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us in beautiful Kelowna, British Columbia. Our special guest who visited us last week to share his personal story is Don Straub, a practicing clinical counselor who helps people struggling with everyday problems by giving them powerful, practical solutions. Don is going to look at the important question of why we sometimes do things that we ourselves do not understand. Don, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you. I find it wonderful to be here. Don, you are also a teacher and a pastor. So what made you become interested in becoming a professional clinical counselor? Well, as a teacher of religion in high school and a pastor, I often got students and, of course, parishioners coming to me for counseling. And I began to realize that there's more to counseling than just X, Y, Z, right? And I was over my head a few times. And kind of deep down inside, I thought, well, someday I should get some real training in counseling. But my favorite class in high school was teaching biology, especially biology 12, where we have a unit on neurobiology and the brain. And I always get excited about that because I thought, this way I can help these students, right? Because they're really in a danger with using alcohol and drugs. And so I would, when I got to this chapter, I would take off of my shelf in the biology room a jar and it would take a slice of a human brain out of the jar and I'd wipe it off and dry it and then I would pass it around the classroom so they could each hold a slice of a human brain in their hand. And, and as they held that and passed it around, I would tell them that the brain is just a piece of meat. It's, it's just like your heart or your lungs and it requires oxygen, you know, exercise to, to get that, that, that organ functioning and requires nutrients. And, and what, what we put into your body goes into this, this brain, chemicals, alcohol, drugs. And, and these things can affect your brain and your body. So whatever affects your body affects your brain. Now, of course, I took my original degree in biology, like it's over 50 years ago now. And at the time, I was teaching my students that one beer would kill like thousands of brain cells and they would never ever be regenerated you know kind of giving them the scare technique i guess but then flash forward 40 years when i took my master's level in counseling with mris pet scans cat scans we know so much about the brain now and i had to unlearn this whole concept because we do have now a, a, a truth called neuroplasticity we now know the brain can regenerate cells and build new neural connections. So Don, how does this new knowledge of neuroplasticity help in your counseling? Well, I've come to understand how the brain works this way. If we have even a single thought, that thought actually changes the physical structure of the brain. And if we repeat thoughts over and over, the neural connections become stronger and stronger and stronger. And so with this knowledge, we can help people change their brains, if you want to say it that way. Let me show you my BFT sandwich. So here's our sandwich. B stands for behaviors, things we do with our body, the words we speak. F stands for feelings, our emotions. T stands for our thoughts, okay? 
So our feelings are in the middle of the sandwich. And here's how it works. A thought can create a feeling. For instance, a, I don't want to say negative thought, but we have negative thoughts sometimes, right? We may think, I'm stupid, and that makes us feel in a certain way. Like, we may feel shame or anger or sadness, but a thought can create a feeling, and a, and a negative thought creates these uncomfortable feelings. And then this uncomfortable feeling will drive some kind of self-defeating behavior, something that we're not proud of, we maybe have to apologize for, perhaps even an, an addiction. So these self-defeating behaviors that I'm talking about, the scripture calls them sins. So sins are self-defeating behaviors. That's right. I prefer the term self-defeating behavior because it kind of describes what sin really does. You see, a lot of my clients, they just think, well, sin is something God made up, you know, and it's, it's nothing really you need to worry about. It. It's just a religious thing. But actually, self-defeating behaviors or sins have consequences. There are natural consequences that are destructive, like sin causes death. Self-defeating behaviors cause death. So when it comes down to it, we have to think about this idea. I think about the law of God as something like the law of gravity. You can't break the law of God. You can't break the law of gravity. There are always consequences. So in this, in this scenario here, it's not a God who sits up there and makes up rules like as if we're life is some big monopoly game. You know, if you land on this square, you go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200. No, if you land on this square, there are natural consequences to our actions. Let's kind of summarize the BFT sandwich this way. If I always think the way I've always thought, I will always feel the way I've always felt. And if I always feel the way I've always felt, I'll always do what I've always done. And if I always do what I've always done, I'll always get what I've always gotten. If nothing changes, and nothing changes. So Don, does it work the other way around? Do behaviors affect our feelings too? Absolutely. I can maybe have a very loving, kind behavior, and it makes me feel content, happy, joyful. And then I start to think positive things. about. I'm a pretty good person. I enjoy life. But you know, if I hurt somebody, I, 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 I betray somebody, I do something harmful to somebody, then I start feeling these, these uncomfortable emotions like shame and guilt, and maybe I get angry at myself. Pretty soon I'm beating myself up with all kinds of negative thoughts. So, Don, why isn't it called behavioral feeling therapy? The reason is the feelings are in the middle of the sandwich. And we cannot directly change our feelings. Have you ever tried it? Be happy, be happy, don't worry, don't worry, right? It, it doesn't work. The only way we can actually change our feelings is by changing a thought or changing a behavior. But here's the problem. Human beings, they like to change their feelings and they like to find shortcuts to do it. This is where people go to alcohol and drugs because they're trying to change their feelings. And guess what happens? Feelings come as a package deal. You don't just numb the feelings you don't want to feel. You numb all the feelings. You numb joy. You, you numb contentment, gratitude. And that's unfortunate. When there are therapeutic ways, I call them, 
to change our feelings rather than medical ways and drug ways or medicine ways or self-medicating ways. So what about positive thinking? People are really into positive thinking. Well, as a Christian counselor, I'm really not fond of this term positive thinking at all because I believe that we need to go by scripture. And in scripture, we find that truthful thinking is very important. And so as a Christian counselor, I talk about positive thinking that's also truthful thinking. For instance, I could get a thought, I'm the smartest person in Canada. Or I could get a thought, I'm God. Oh, very positive thoughts, right? Not truthful, not helpful. But you know, I can get a thought like, oh, I'm so stupid. But you know what? That is not a truthful thought. The truth is, I occasionally do dumb things, and I've done them. But I'm not stupid. In fact, nobody's stupid. We're all smart. We're just smart in different areas of our life. Like, I could create a thought, I'm important. That's actually a truthful thought. See, I'm not more important than anyone else, but I'm not less important than anyone else either. A doctor is no more important than a garbage collector. Our society has twisted things around and we start putting people in levels of importance and that's not helpful and it's not truthful. The thing is, when I was a pastor, I would teach my congregation that there's no hierarchy in the church. Whether you're an usher, a greeter, an elder, a pastor, we're all important. We just play different roles. The Apostle Paul refers to the church as a body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 17, this is what he says. He says, suppose the whole body were an eye, then how would we hear? Or what if the whole body were just one big ear, how would we smell anything? So, Don, where in the scripture do you find support for cognitive behavioral therapy? Well, let me share something from Philippians 4, 8. Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There's another place in 2 Corinthians 10.5 where Paul says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, how does a person take every thought captive? Well, it starts by being mindful of our thoughts. So if I get a thought and I'm mindful about it and I go, wait a minute, that's not a truthful thought. I take that thought captive by changing that thought into something more truthful. This is how we can change those neural connections in our brain and we begin to practice thinking more truthful thoughts, which affects how we behave. You know, when, when we pray to God and we say, God, just be my vision, that's really saying, God, give me the ability to see what's truthful.
So God can become a part of our thoughts in when we ask him to be our vision and we can think truthful thoughts. Let's talk about behavior and the scriptures. So is there something in the scriptures that talk about behavior in relation to cognitive behavioral therapy? Yes, there is actually. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul says, there are three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Faith and hope are thoughts. It's a way of thinking. Positive thinking, trusting thinking. Love, though, is a verb. A verb is an action, an action word. It's caring, it's nurturing, it's comforting, it's helping. And so when we do these behaviors, it affects our feelings and affects our thoughts. So, Don, let's go Let's go back to the brain. One chapter in your book is titled, We Have Two Brains. Can you explain that to us? This is my favorite part of counseling. I love talking about the brain because when people hear this, they go, now I know I'm not crazy. I understand myself now. So let's, let's think of it this way. Our brains actually are two brains. Uh, I'm going to use my hands just to quickly illustrate this. I go into so much detail in my book that I have to give you the, a very short version of this, okay? But this part of my hand, my wrist, is my hindbrain. And my hindbrain is a part of my autonomic nervous system, autonomic brain or unconscious brain. The word autonomic means automatic. It does things for me without my choice, keeps my heart beating, breathing, digesting food, but also things like if I touch a hot stove, I do that, and I didn't choose to do that. This hindbrain did it for me, without my choice, to save my skin and my flesh, obviously. Now my thumb represents the middle brain, the limbic system, the emotional brain, and together these form the unconscious autonomic brain. Over top of this, my fingers represent the conscious brain, where we can perceive our five senses, you know, touch and taste and smell, etc. And right where my fingernails are, frontal lobe is where we do our logical reasoning, thinking. 
Now we have two brains, we have two memories as well. We have an explicit memory, which is the conscious memory. I can think about facts and people and times and places. But I have another memory, an emotional memory. Now the best way to describe this is to tell you a little story of when I was in grade one and my mom gave me a birthday party. So what I'm doing now is I'm remembering the facts. We played pin the tail on the donkey, we ate birthday cake, and it had coins wrapped in wax paper buried in the cake. But even right now, while I'm telling you this story, I have goosebumps all through my arms, up my neck, my, it is just, it's a tingling, happy feeling in my body. That was the memory of that day, stored here. And when I touched or thought of this memory, it triggered this emotion and these body sensations. And I'm feeling the day it happened. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. That's amazing. So what about having a traumatic thought? What happens when you have a traumatic experience and then you think about that? Exactly. We all have memories we don't like to think about. Why don't we like to think about them? Because it hurts. We get emotions, that anxiety, fear. We can get angry, sad, we can start crying, and we can actually feel pain. We can get pain in our, our stomach, our chest. We can get tight in our, our jaws. It, these are emotional memories and body sensations stored in this unconscious automatic brain. Now here's the thing. So this memory has feeling, it has body sensations, but it also has a third type of memory. This type of memory we call feeling beliefs. Feeling beliefs. They're not necessarily cognitive, but they still work like beliefs. They create even more feelings. A feeling belief could be a feeling like I'm stupid or something like that. I feel stupid. So let me use an illustration to show how this works. Let's take, uh, let's pretend we have a little boy, Johnny, we'll call him Johnny and he's just four. And little Johnny's playing with his toy airplane and he's running around the house going, you know, with his toy airplane, just being innocent. But what Johnny doesn't know is his dad has come home from work. And let's say his dad maybe had a really hard day at work. Maybe he's worried about being fired and he's, and he's sitting there and Johnny comes flying by. And for some reason, dad just gets triggered. He gets angry at Johnny and he snaps at Johnny. He says, Johnny, I told you a million times, I need peace and quiet when I come home from work. Go to your room and shut up. Little Johnny bursts into tears. He's feeling hurt and he goes to his room. And in that moment, Johnny isn't thinking, oh, I'm the innocent kid. My dad probably had a hard day at work. No, he's just four. He's feeling stupid. He's feeling like, I'm stupid. I don't remember my dad telling me that. And he's feeling like he's a bad boy because he made his dad angry. It's his fault. Let's flash forward now, many years in the future. Johnny becomes John. He's married to his lovely wife. He loves her, she loves him. But one day, John is innocently putting a bowl of food into the microwave when suddenly his wife, she raises her voice and freaks out and says, don't put that dish in the microwave. And then he just goes, like snap. Maybe he says something mean to her. Maybe he just throws the bowl down and he walks out and slams the door behind him. Maybe he doesn't talk to her for two hours while he watches football on TV. What just happened there? Well, he wasn't thinking of his dad. 
who probably had many experiences like this as a child. But in that moment, the sound of her voice, the tone, the volume, the words, trigger all those feelings, emotions, body sensations, and even the feeling thoughts. I'm stupid, I'm not a good husband. And he moves, those thoughts move into to shame and they create a fight, flight, or freeze response in that moment. It wasn't his choice, it was just an automatic, like survival reaction that happened to him. Well, later, after his logical brain reconnects and his emotional brain isn't in charge anymore, he goes, oh, what have I done? And he goes and apologizes and says, I'm sorry for acting so foolishly. Will you forgive me? Can you tell me why you said that? And he says, well, there's metal trim. There's gold trim around that bowl and I was afraid you're gonna destroy the microwave. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I say, this is what trauma can do. It can be buried in there and it gets brought out and triggered. We say the past is present when we're triggered. I think we all know what we're talking about. It happens to us occasionally, if not many times. I know it does with me. But it kind of reminds me of some words that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. And I'm just skipping a few lines here. But I can't help myself because it's sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. I am not really the one doing it. The sin within me is doing it. But he concludes with some really great words. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see, it is, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. You know, when it comes to this whole concept of the brain, when you think about it, God was really ingenious when he created the brain. Because if the brain did not work in this fight, flight, or freeze manner, there'd be many times where we would be in danger and we would be too slow to act. So really, in this sin-filled world, we, we wouldn't live long enough, really, uh, to enjoy life. But unfortunately, there's times where there's no danger and we act like there is a danger. And I think that's what Jeremiah is referring to when he says the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Jeremiah 17, 9. So sometimes we are just stuck with these sinful natures and sometimes they don't act the way they're supposed to act. So, well, Don, do we have any hope then in this area of fight, flight, or freeze behaviors? Actually, there is. In, in the realm of counseling, uh, I and many counselors around the world have been specifically trained in trauma. Not all counselors are trained in trauma, but I do some trauma counseling that's been scientifically researched, and it's incredible with the special techniques that we can use, we can actually change a person's implicit brain and we can neutralize these triggers so that a person, when a person has trauma and they feel all these feelings, they can think now of that, that trauma 
visually in their minds, but don't feel it in their bodies. And, and that helps with the triggers. But underneath all of this, along with all of this types of therapy, the cognitive behavioral therapy, we as Christians have the word of God. And it's important for us to be daily reading the truth of the Bible, especially the four gospels, the words of Jesus, who tells us about our true selves and our identity in him. And this is how we can defeat the enemy, the father of lies. I mean, isn't why this, this show is called It Is Written, right? Because there's power in our words, because words are thoughts. Change the thoughts, change the feelings, change the behavior. Wow, Don, we completely agree with you. The Word of God is so important. But Don, it's time to end now. And so I wonder before we end, could you please pray for us? Absolutely. Father God, Scripture tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And who can understand the heart? But you know. You know us inside and out. And we just thank you that in spite of all of our imperfections and our reactions, that you still care for us and that through Jesus, we have the assurance of your love and eternal life. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen. 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 Don, thank you so much for showing us how scripture aligns perfectly with science and with professional counseling. And next time you're going to be joining us to share with us the important topic of how to deal with addictions. Yes. So we look forward to that. Thank you. Friends, Don Straub shared with us an important question found in Romans chapter 7. Why do I do what I do for what I want to do that I do not do, but what I hate that I do? The solution, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our free offer for you today is Don Straub's book entitled Bridges to Freedom, Creating Change Through Science and Christian Spirituality which will help you move closer to Jesus, get past your setbacks and learn life lessons with the essential bridges to freedom described in this book. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also listen to our podcasts and if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs, including our cooking demonstrations, our short spiritual messages entitled Daily Living, and our exercise workouts called Experiencing Life. We want you to experience the truth found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.